Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. You're not worthy. You're abandoned and hopeless. I was an addict, selling a little meth and cooking a little bit here and there, and I didn't think I was big time, but when they had arrested me, they told me, if we didn't get you today, you were going on America's 10 most wanted list in the morning. I realized how deep the shame had rooted when I got to prison. You don't even think that you're, you're good enough to ask for forgiveness. The shame leaves scars. The main problem that women inmates keep getting locked up over and over again is they're not healed. The behavior is rooted in the abuse that they suffered as children. I know what it feels like to feel worthless as a woman that lived a childhood of sexual abuse. I lived my entire life thinking I was nothing but a piece of trash and I didn't deserve anything good because the rape at age nine, the childhood of abuse, it destroys you. That makes us feel of no value. That fills us full of shame. And then on top of that, to be placed in prison walls because of things we did to try to bury the shame. All of us ladies have been abused in one way or another. We're believing that you'll live with that the rest of your life. You'll have shame and guilt forever. But we do not have to wear shame as women of God as a woman that was healed from sexual abuse. I wrote all of my Bible studies around that healing, and they see they can be healed also. When we realize we are valuable, it changes everything. I love telling women behind bars that you can be healed too, and you are valuable to God. Through Transformed by the Word ministry, Jennifer Costell coming in, sharing the love of Jesus Christ through her story, the Bibles, and the Bible studies. It gives us a reason to start hoping and living again. It should teach you, you are worthy. It's important that they are given not a used Bible, but a gorgeous Bible that is theirs. This is the beautiful Bible. She says, I want you to know that you're beautiful, and this Bible represents that. You have shown me that I matter, that I count that I am somebody. I always say, Lord, when they open this Bible, when they open my books, let them know that they're loved. Let them know that they're not forgotten and that people love them enough to send them the best. In their letters, they're always telling me about their abuse. Your story is my story. And if you can be healed after all you've been through, then I can be healed too. Literally thousands of women write asking us for Bibles and Bible studies. Through partnership, we are able to meet the need that is before us. To be able to put Bibles in prisons all over the United States of America. Transformed by the Word Ministry helped me be where I'm at today. But there's women left inside those prison gates who need help. It's just a person that needs a second chance. And in order to get a second chance, you have to go to Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Well, I want to welcome you guys stand and all. Let's stand and welcome them and thank you, Lord, for, for them. In Jesus' name.
Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I can't help but praise Him today. I don't know about you, but I can't help but praise my God. He is such a good God. He hears your prayers. He sees your needs. He sees your children. He sees everything you've been through, and he loves to heal you and deliver you and set you free. So excited to be at Global River today. So excited to be here. You can feel his presence. You can feel his love. You can feel his anointing. I don't know what you came needing today, but I'm telling you, we have a God that loves to meet your every need. We have a God that is present and ever ready to help every time you call upon him. We serve the great I am, and we give him all the glory and all the honor. You know, I do love going in prisons, and when COVID hit, and they started shutting down prisons immediately. And many women inmates got COVID in these prisons. And all religious services were stopped immediately. It was not seen as essential in the United States of America for our women behind bars to have religious services. And I remember crying out to God, please, Lord. Please touch them. Please let them know how loved they are. And we have been given the opportunity to be able to, every woman inmate that personally writes our ministry, and you know it is thousands, that our ministry has been able in the midst of a pandemic to send every woman that asks a beautiful Bible and a Bible study, and that is nothing but God Almighty, that in the middle of a pandemic, our ministry has been so prosperous so we can do what Jesus called us to do in Matthew 25 36 that says go into the prisons and tell them that I love them and tell them that I care it is so exciting to do that but it's also very exciting to come into a house like Global River that has given to so many Bibles and so many women have supported this ministry so faithfully. It's so wonderful to come into the house of God and be around such anointed powerhouse people. And the Romans 13, 7 is very clear that we must honor the people of God. And I was trained on Castle Street in Wilmington, North Carolina, in a Bible college where I was the only marshmallow in the cocoa. <laughs> and I was so happy to be that marshmallow in all that cocoa now. And I was trained, you don't get in a man's pulpit without honoring the man of God. And so this morning, it is with great honor that I honor the angel of this house, Senior Pastor Tom Hauser, and the beautiful First Lady of Global River. I honor Pastor Willie, 
the senior pastor of the Spanish church, and his first lady, if you'll stand up. And yes, we should give them a standing ovation. They are on the front lines for your souls. You are protected in the midst of a pandemic because you are under leadership. You are under covering that lifts you up. And I thank God for them. I thank God they are in my city. I thank God what they pray down upon Wilmington, North Carolina. I thank God for the labor that's being done in Global River for the glory of God. And I honor y'all. I honor y'all. I honor you tremendously. And I have to honor my wonderful husband, my big daddy, I call him. Comes up on my phone, big daddy's calling. I don't care who I'm talking to, if big daddy's calling, I got to pick that phone up. I love my husband of almost 30 years. I honor him. And I always tell people he's the biggest partner with this ministry, and I honor him so much. I am truly excited to be here today, and the pastors in the house and the ministers in the house will understand what I'm getting ready to say. And I honor Mama Pat this morning, she and Papa Phil. I love them. He's in heaven looking down, having fun. And last night I was at another event. And so I pull in my garage, my team that travels with me, my daughter who travels with me often, she goes home, and I had already worked on a sermon and had it in the folder and, and had everything done, and I'm walking up my garage steps, and the Holy Spirit gave me a title to a new sermon. And I don't know about y'all, but I was tired but I said, I will obey you. I will go into my office. I will sit before you and let you write this sermon for your people that are going to be at Global River, for those that are going to be watching today. And even though it was late in the night and I'm writing, I'm pinning this out early in the morning. I have never been so excited to deliver a message as I am right now. I am so excited because when you obey God and you know you have obeyed him as a minister of the gospel, you get an energy and a passion, even though my body was tired when I was sitting there. When you step up and take the mic, the anointing of God hits your body and you get super energized. So I am going to be preaching to you this morning. Dropped, but not forgotten. Dropped, but not forgotten. Stand to your feet and let's honor the reading of the Word of God. The most powerful thing in this world is God's Word. By this Word, this, the worlds were created, the universe was created, and by this Word, we have been healed and delivered, and this is truth. And as I read this over you and you open your Bibles to 2 Samuel verse 9 and we hear the word of the Lord, it will be life-changing to everyone under the sound of my voice. 
And Lord, before I even read your word, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for waking me up to face another day. Thank you that your breath is in my lungs. Thank you that my mind is sound and my body is healthy. Thank you that the people of God had gathered today to hear what thus saith the Lord over our lives today. I praise you for a rhema word today, God. I thank you, God, that there's not a person under the sound of my voice that hasn't had a time when they feel like they've been dropped. They've been blindsided. They didn't know what happened, but yet they saw your providential hand reach down and pull them up and put them in the right place. And Lord, even people under the sound of my voice that may feel like they've been recently dropped, I thank you, God, that the anointing upon your word and the anointing upon this sermon will change everything, God. I thank you for people's bodies being healed as you spoke to me in worship. That during the preaching of the word, people would be healed and people would be delivered and people would be set free. That nobody needs to lay hands on them. That your anointing is here just like in prisons, God. I can't touch those women, but you touch those women. Therefore, there is a corporate anointing with COVID right now where people are getting healed and delivered just sitting in the presence of powerful churches like Global River. Use my voice for your glory. Let me only say what you would have me to say, God. Hide me behind your cross. And truly, John 3.30 that says, I must decrease so that you can increase in my life, in this service, and in everything dealing with your people. We trust you, God. We honor you. You are the great I am. You are the ancient of days. Your presence is with your people. You will protect you will promote. You will do what your word says. You hide your people under Psalm 91, and we are in the shadow of the Most High God. We trust you with everything. We refuse to fret. We don't fret over a virus. We don't fret over an election. We don't fret over anything the enemy throws against us. We are your people, and you are our king. It doesn't matter who the president is. You are our king. We are citizens of heaven first and alone, and our passports are in heaven, God. And we honor you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Open your Bibles. Look at your neighbor. Say, get ready for the word. Stand back to your feet, though. I'm an old school preacher. I like you to stand for the word. Second Samuel chapter 9. I will be reading in the Amplified Version to break down exactly what is happening here. And David, King David said, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? 
And of the house of Saul, there was a servant whose name was Ziba. When they had called him to David, he said to them, Are you Ziba? He said, I, your servant, am he. The king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the unfailing, unsought, unlimited mercy and kindness of God? Ziba replied, Jonathan has yet a son who is lame in his feet. And the king said, where is he? Zebra replied, he is in the house of Micar, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Micar, son of Amiel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan and the son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face, did obeisance, and David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold your servant. David said to him, Fear not. I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, your grandfather, and you shall eat at my table always. One more verse. And the cripple bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? You may be seated. Dropped, but not forgotten. Dropped, but not forgotten. What does it mean to be dropped? It means to be let go. It means to be laid aside. It means to dismiss. It means to weaken. It means to make less than. Dropped. Dropped. The enemy loves to drop God's creation. The enemy loves to tell us we have been dropped and we have been forgotten. The enemy loves to tell us we did something wrong, therefore we are being punished. And I am telling you, the enemy is a liar because I serve a mighty good God. And my God doesn't need to use cancer. My God doesn't need to use COVID-19. My God doesn't need to use a horrible situation or circumstance in your life for anything. The enemy, John 10, 10, distinctly says that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So let's get the record straight. We serve a good God. If something's happened to you, Satan was behind it, and therefore do not blame God for what the enemy has done. Because if you do, you will feel like you have been dropped. And according to the word of God, you cannot be dropped out of the hand of God. Nothing can steal you out of God's hand. Even your biggest mistake can't steal you out of God's hand. My God is stronger than your biggest mistake. My God is able and willing to bless his people in the midst of a bunch of craziness, in the midst of a pandemic. We can still say as the people of God, our God reigns, he is in control, and you wait till the end of this chapter has been written about what we are going through as the people of God. 
1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, God always leads us into triumph. Always leads us into triumph. In my minute understanding, I would not consider myself a theologian. I have a theology degree, but I am not a theologian. I am just a woman that God healed at the age of 31 from suicide, depression, rape, and abuse. And my God set me free at 31. And he set me free so radically. I have not shut up about Jesus Christ for 24 years. I will not shut up about Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of my Lord and my Savior because he healed me, he delivered me, and he set me free. And he did that knowing that I have much passion See, I had much passion in the world. I was the one on the tabletops singing at the top of my lungs, drunk or high or something else. I had passion for what I was doing. And see, the enemy thought he had me and he was going to kill me. And he told me I had been dropped and I couldn't be a mother and I couldn't be a wife. But at 31, I met the real deal. Come on now. I met Jesus. And all the dropping of my childhood, all the molestation of my childhood, all the rapes in my childhood, all the lies in my childhood, all the rejection of the childhood, in an instant, I realized how valued I was. I realized that I wasn't a piece of trash, but I'm a daughter of the Most High God, and that I am what the God says that I am. And I am loved by God. I am favored by God. And my daddy looks down upon me in Psalm 45, 11, And he said, there she goes again. She's going in another prison. She's going in another church. And she's telling the same story all the time. Jesus is the Messiah. He will do what he said he will do. And he will help you no matter what you are facing today. You are not dropped nor are you forgotten. Look at your neighbor say, God's got it. I love this powerful story. I love that this is a story of restoration. I love this is a story of covenant. I love that Mephibosheth was blessed not because of one thing he did, but because of a covenant you will learn that Jonathan made with David when they were young teenagers and they were warriors in the battle and they made a covenant with one another and Mephibosheth was blessed because of that. You're under covenant. Jesus Christ shed his blood on that cruel cross and he made a covenant with us as his people. And he said, no matter what you suffer on this earth, no matter what attack the enemy throws at you, I have given you authority. And you don't have to take it and sit down with your head down. You may be dropped, but you are not forgotten. And when you realize you're not forgotten, it changes everything in your life. I love the context of this scripture. During this scripture in 2 Samuel 9, we have David here. And King David has literally come out of winning battles. 
He has gotten all new territories. Everybody around him understands that the hand of God is upon him. And David is sitting in the palace one night. And he's just truly relaxing that the theologians say. He's thinking about all the kingdoms he has now. He's thinking about the goodness of God. And then it hits him. Who can I bless from Saul's family. Who can I bless in honor of Jonathan? Where are his family members? Where are they so I can bless them? Saul was his enemy. Saul hunted him down for many, many years, tried to kill him, tried to destroy him. And here is David saying, Send me a member of Saul's household in remembrance of Jonathan. King David sitting there thinking, who can I bless? I love this story because when David asked, is there any more of Jonathan's household left? Any more? All of a sudden... Ziba comes forward, and Ziba had taken over Jonathan's estate. Ziba had taken over Saul's estate. Ziba had 15 sons, 20 servants, and he was living in land that was not even his. Ziba came forward, and he said to David, he said, there is one son left of Jonathan's. But you don't want him. He's crippled. David, you're surrounded by mighty warriors. You're surrounded. You're the king. Your cabinet looks good. Your palace looks good. Everything around you looks good. You're the greatest king that's ever been in Israel. God has blessed you tremendously. I am sure you don't want a cripple. And I am sure you don't want him because he's in Lodabar, David. He's in Lodabar. Lodabar, the land of the wasteland. Theologians said the town of the forgotten people. The town of the nobodies. The town that nobody wanted to go to. The town of darkness. Therefore, here we have Mephibosheth. He is crippled. He thinks he's forgotten and he's living in darkness and he's hiding from King David because usually when kings take over, they kill everybody that was there before. But Mephibosheth didn't understand. Mephibosheth truly didn't understand that he didn't have to be scared, that his daddy, Jonathan, had made a covenant. You can find that in... 1 Samuel 20, you can find that, where they are talking one day. And King David, he was not a king at this time. He was just a great warrior. And there was Jonathan, the son of the king. And David said, your daddy wants to kill me. And Jonathan said, no, he doesn't want to kill you. If he wanted to kill you, I would know that. What he was saying is, he's the king. And I'm the next in line to be the king. And he shares everything with me. And David said, no, he wants to kill me. He said, I'm not going to the, the festival. 
I'm not going to sit at the king's table and I'm going to prove to you I'm right. And tell your father when he notices my seat is empty, tell him that I have asked permission of you and that I'm going to Bethlehem and I'm going to be with my family to celebrate. They've called me to come and celebrate with them. And if he gets angry, you will know he wants to kill me. But if he doesn't get angry, you're right, Jonathan. And then all of a sudden, it hit Jonathan in that field they're talking that day. He said, David, he said, may God be with you the way he's been with my father. And he's talking about when Saul was anointed. And it hit him distinctly that he was looking at the next king, that it was not him. And Jonathan was his best friend he was, he knew that God's anointing was upon him. I can assure you he was there when David took Goliath down. I can assure you he saw that special anointing on his life. And he said, David, I'm going to come back and I'll let you know if you're right. But he knew the answer then. And they had this thing where this, that Jonathan was going to shoot an arrow. And if he told the guy, his servant, the arrow's too far, forget it. He was saying, David, you got to run. My daddy's trying to kill you. But if he said, it's over there, he would know that. Jonathan went to that festival. He sat at his daddy's table and he said, of course, Saul said, where's David? Where's that friend of yours? And he said, he asked me permission. I let him go to Bethlehem. And at that point, a spirit of rage hit his father, and he tried to kill his own son. Jonathan knew who was going to be the next king. And he went out to the field, and he said to him, when he shot the three arrows, he said, the arrow is out of your reach. Go home. And he and David that day in the field, they made a covenant with one another. And it's so amazing that he said, when you have conquered all your enemies, David, he said, when everything around you is peaceful, he said, make a covenant with me now before God that you will be kind to my family. And at that point, that covenant was made. And we read in this scripture, distinctly, we read in this scripture that King David had literally sat on the throne with so much peace. And he said, where is Jonathan's family? I love how David was not moved by what he was being told about Mephibosheth. I love even though Ziba said, you don't want him. He's a nobody. He's crippled. You don't want to bring that in the palace. He, David said, where is he? And go get him. 
He didn't even respond to that. He didn't even respond to putting him down. See, you've got to understand, as a woman in prison ministry, I hear that all the time. I enter these prison gates. We've got women so wounded. They are destroyed. Their families are destroyed. They are physically crippled sometimes. They come in in wheelchairs, but most importantly, their minds are crippled through all the drug use, through all the abuse, through being forgotten. They are in Lodabar, and I hear God say, go, Get them for me. I have made a covenant with them. What is he saying to you today? No matter how bad you feel, no matter what it looks like, no matter how it doesn't make sense, God is looking past your situation. But he's not looking past your pain. He's looking into your pain. And he has sent me to tell you that he wants to bring you to the king's table. And I love how Mephibosheth, I love how in my mind, I just need you to go there with me. This is how I study the Bible. Lodabar, a pit, a place of darkness, a place of being forgotten, a place of you should have been honored by your parents and your father told you that you wouldn't end up and be anything. A place of abuse as a child. A wasteland where the enemy has lied to you all of your life and told you you'll never be worth anything. Lodabar, a place of hurt and pain and fear and confusion. You heard your pastor talk about people moving in severe anxiety right now. Lodabar, hiding, terrified. Not thinking you're worth anything. Believing the lies of the enemy. If your child's in rebellion, then you were the reason for that. Or believing the lies of the enemy of this person wasn't healed and delivered. And therefore, you could have done something else. The enemy loves to lie to you and tell you that everything wrong in your life that you've had a part of and you were not, you had just been dropped. Mephibosheth, age five. In the palace, his granddaddy, the king, his daddy, a prince, the next king. He was a lineage of royalty. He was going to be the next king one day. There they were in the palace. And all of a sudden, the battle in Jezreel went wrong. The battle went wrong. King Saul was killed. Jonathan the warrior was killed. The invaders were coming into the palace. And all of a sudden, a nurse grabs up this five-year-old and starts fleeing, trying to help him. And she drops him. And literally, he was a cripple from that moment on. He did nothing to deserve to be dropped. Let me speak to my people that have been abused. You did nothing to deserve to be abused. You did nothing to deserve for your children to end up that way. You did nothing. Dropped, but not forgotten. There Mephibosheth was at five years old, laying on a floor, a crippled child, dropped. But God says one day, this one that nobody wants, 
one day he's going to be back where I need him to be. And there was Mephibosheth at the age of five. And for years, theologians say, 17 years old is how old Mephibosheth was when David realized it's time to carry this covenant out. It's time to do what I promised you, Lord. And I can see him, Zeba, in shock that the king of Israel wants a cripple in his house. In shock, Zeba, the thief that took what belonged to Mephibosheth. How many of us as the people of God have let the enemy take what belonged to us? How many of the people of God have literally sat down instead of praising God and feel like we've been dropped? It's not worked out the way it's supposed to. I wasn't supposed to be here at this age. And God is saying, you are not forgotten. You may feel dropped. You may feel hurt. You may feel like you can't go forward. But there will come a time when I will send angels on your behalf. There will come a time when I will show up in the midst of your wasteland. There will come a time when I will heal your body. I will send your children home. There will come a time. Can you imagine Lodabar? Can you imagine when those king's horses showed up with those bridles in royalty in the midst of a wasteland? Can you imagine that town that nobody ever visited and those horses come walking through and they start shouting, where is Mephibosheth? Where is he? And I can assure you, Mephibosheth ran and hid. He said he's found I am the last living relative of Saul. He's found me and he's going to kill me. And can you imagine? Isn't that what we felt like before we came into the kingdom? Didn't we think that God was against us? Didn't we think that we weren't worthy? Didn't we think, no, God can't fix me? I'm not worthy to be fixed. See, you must understand, when Jonathan said, remember your kindness, that shed, I can't even say it right, it's C-H-E-S-E-D, I believe, in the Hebrew. Thank you. Say it. Chesed. There you go. I knew God would have my back. (laughs) And it means unlimited love, unconditional love kindness that you can't even wrap your mind around and then all of a sudden there those royal horses when they found that poor cripple at 17 years of age hiding in the back of that corner and those royal guards had been sent by God through King David. And they went and located him. Can you imagine? That would be like whenever 
one day I was trying to in a very, 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 very short um, devotional in Girls Behind Jail that day. And I said, it would be like our president showing up with all them limos in Burgall, North Carolina. I can promise you that everybody would start noticing, wait a minute, the president's here, the president's here. I said, well, Lodabar for the king's men to show up on the king's horses with the king's seal on a king errand. All of a sudden, you can believe Lodabar. People started running out of their home, running out of their home. What is the king's people doing here? And all of a sudden, they go and they take that cripple and they set him on a king's horse and they don't try to hurt him and they say, King, the King David's come after you. Don't you be scared. The king wants to bless you. Don't you hold your head down. It's going to be all right, Mephibosheth. I don't know why the king wants to, but he told us to treat you like royalty, to handle you gently, and to bring you before him. This cripple, this nobody, and he brought him, and they put him before the king. And there he was, just like us, just like us. I'm not the only one in this room that had a past so bad and did crazy stuff. I'm not the only one in this room that did things, God, to have mercy upon my life. None of you were born like John the Baptist, speaking in tongues when you came out your mama's wounds. Every one of you need to remember that God's mercy and God's grace reach down upon you. And then you will not be scared to pick up the cripples of the world. You won't be scared to deal with the addicts, the prostitutes, the heroin addicts. You won't be scared to love on a lesbian. You won't be scared to tell a gay man God loves him. You won't be scared to go to the nations. You won't be scared because you were that cripple person. And then when he said, then when he said, they put him down before him. And in the new King James and the King James, King David says, Mephibosheth. He looked at him. He looked at him. And he said, you're royalty. What are you doing? Your royalty, Mephibosheth, I know you were dropped. I know you were dropped, but you've never been forgotten. Your daddy made a covenant with me. Your daddy made a covenant with me, son. God has made a covenant through Jesus. Through Jesus for you. And Romans 8, 15 says, we cry out, Abba, Father, which means daddy. And if my daddy's a king, then this sister's a princess. If my daddy's a king, then I am royalty. And my daddy's a king. 
and I walk with heavenly swagger. I go up in the bank like I own it. I act like who I am. I tell people who I am, and I tell every one of them, he's looking for more sons and daughters of the Most High God. He's looking for more children to be kings. He's looking for everybody, and the more crippled you are, the more he wants you. Can I get a witness? The more you're in a wasteland, the more he's looking for you. And then Mephibosheth, he looked at David and he said, I am your servant. And why do you care about a dead dog like me? Now, let me tell you something. In the ancient writings and in during this time, they didn't have cute little dogs dressed up in clothes. Can I get a witness here? They didn't have dogs with Instagrams and everybody shouting, oh, that's so cute. We love your dog. They didn't have Mr. Cheese, my husband's Frenchie, that's at home sitting like he's a king. Can I get a witness? They didn't have that. Dogs were scavengers. They hated them. And if they saw one dead, they rejoiced. And that's what Mephibosheth felt like. And at that point, I love what David did. He said, you know, Ziba, <laughs> the thief, he was Saul's servant. And he took over all that land. He said, hey, Ziba, come here. And he said, you see, Mephibosheth, your you are the master's servant. You are Saul's servant. You see, Mephibosheth... His grandson, Jonathan's son, do you see him, Ziba? He said, all that land, all the land of King Saul's, I'm giving back to him today. He said, all his daddy's land, I'm giving back to him day, and today. And those 15 sons you have, and those 20 servants you have, all of you now serve the cripple boy that you told me not to get. All of you serve him now. See, we've taken him out of Lodabar, he said. He's going to sit at my table continually. He's going to eat with me continually. I do want him with me. And he said, you're going to tend to his lands. You're going to take care of his house. You're going to gather his food. And you're going to serve him now. Restoration. Restoration. What has the enemy stole from you? Restoration. What is the enemy lying to you about? Restoration. Even those of you that have lost children, I'm here to tell you today that you served God. I can assure you those children are in heaven because you have a covenant with God and he will not allow your seed to not serve him. I tell mothers all the time, their last breath, what you put in them, they could say, Jesus, at that very moment, do not fret, do not fear. God is restoring those of you with prodigal children, quit holding your head down. And when they come to your house, quit qu quoting scriptures. Love on them. Love them. Cook them the best meals. Tell them how much you love them. Tell them how much you adore them. Then they'll want to come back. They will feel loved. 
God did not draw you through condemnation. Therefore, do not try to draw your children through condemnation. Love them into the kingdom. Let them be born again. Let them want what mama's got and what daddy's got. Let them see the real people of God operating at the highest levels. And you will see your children come back home and be restored in the name of Jesus. I love this story of restoration. I love how God understood when he came to this earth that his creation would get dropped. That the enemy would make sure that we get dropped. Amen, he'll do it, mother. But you got to remember, you may be dropped, but you're not forgotten. And the king is beckoning you to realize your heritage, to realize he's got it. To realize he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. To realize what you have need of, he's going to take care of for you. To realize who you are and who Jesus is. I want to end by you using your imagination with me of the king's table. See, I love the idea of the king's table. I love looking and, and seeing, stand up, Megan, seeing Megan DeSaro, who found Christ in Pender County Jail, was the worst meth addict I've ever dealt with in 15 years of ministry. And she accepted Jesus, and he gave her her life back. He gave her her children back. And now this ex-meth addict who was involved in a lot of stuff, this ex-meth addict is now an office assistant at Transformed by the Word Ministries. And God has blessed her above and beyond because Lodabar, the prisons, the jails, the disappointments, the hurt, the children in rebellion, all of a sudden your money disappearing. Your Lodabar, God, can give you above and beyond your wildest dreams. Imagine with me, imagine the king's table and who you'll see sitting around it. Imagine your child there. Imagine you there. But you got to know him to sit at his table. <laughs> when you realize who you are, and his royal blood th flows through your veins. It changes everything. I can see one night at the palace, I can see King David's table. I can see those warriors, the men of valor, dirty, even blood on their swords because they had been out taking care of business. And I can see them stinking. Warriors don't bathe. Can I get a witness? Get rid of all that. 
They out there slide the enemy. Mission field. Uh-uh. There they are coming up to the table. These big men of strength. They're sitting down. And they're talking about what they did that day. And they're waiting on the king to show up so they can start eating. And there they are sitting around the table. And then all of a sudden, this very handsome young man comes in with long hair, attitude, and everything. Named Absalom, and he has a seat at the table. Absalom has got a bit of dirt on him. Can I get a witness? He's in Gucci, Prada, and Louis Vuitton from head to toe. You know what I mean? Absalom. The king's son that eventually turned against him and tried to take his kingdom. And then all of a sudden, this beautiful girl came in like you in robes of royalty. Tamar had a seat at that table. And then some more of David's children showed up. And they're all sitting around. And then King David comes and joins that table. The servants start, and he said, Halt. We waiting on one more. And King David says, stand to your feet. And the greatest warrior that's ever been in this kingdom was his father. And here is my son, Absalom. Show him honor because he deserves it. Is that not us? Is that not us? I remember that day. I remember that day when I wanted to blow my brains out because I thought I had no reason to live. And God Almighty reached down in my soul and removed all the filth, removed all the abuse, removed all the demonic and even though there may be days I still limp, I know that I am royalty. And I know that he loves me. And he's got my back. And I'm surrounded by angels. And nobody better get too close to me or put their mouth on me. Because my daddy loves me very much. And he loves you the same way. And he loves your children the same way. I have two reasons for you to stand to your feet today. The first reason is, if you don't really know him, if you truly are not born again, if there has not been a time when your life changed, if there has not been a time when you left your old life, and the great I am moved inside of you. You're not talking the same. You're not walking the same. You're not acting the same. You're not going back to the same old filth that you used to go to. That's when you're born again. I don't drink. I don't dope. I don't do any of that anymore. I don't need to because I've been healed of what drove me there. And I know Christians make mistakes. Can I get a witness? I'm not talking about that. But the Bible says if you live habitually in sin, you are not the fathers. And you may not be born again. That's my first call. If that's you, just stand to your feet. 
and say, today I make a declaration. Today I am going to be born again. Today I'm going to know that I know that I know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And those of you watching, if that is you, this is the most glorious day of your life when you could say, Jesus, come into my life and make me your daughter, your son. Forgive me of my sins. And you are born again. And you can feel the great I am within you. The first reason. The second reason is you feel like you've been dropped recently. We all have felt dropped. At one time or another, you feel like you've been dropped. If that is you, I want you to stand to your feet. And the Lord said there are plenty here because he changed a whole sermon. There you go. There you go. Keep standing. Keep standing. You feel like you've been dropped. You're going through something. You need the Holy Spirit to miraculously help you get an understanding of what's going on in your life. The rest of you, to put your head down and pray at this moment. But if that is you, stand. If you feel like you've been dropped, the enemy seems to be, literally, you feel like he's winning and you feel like you can't move forward. If that is you, stand to your feet in this room. Don't miss this moment. Because God has got you. Nobody's looking down on you. Everybody in this room, I'm already standing. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm saying? The preachers are delivering the sermon. We're already standing. <laughs> because if you're in ministry, you're going to feel like you've been dropped sometime. And I'm telling you, God sees you. You are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. My third altar call you're in the midst of a battle. And I see those tears. Don't Number twos, I have not forgotten you. But you're in a battle and you need some strength to be added to you. You've been warring and you're getting tired. If that is you, stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. Stand all over there. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah. My next call is anyone that needs a physical healing, stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. The Holy Spirit is moving very, very calmly right now. Very calmly. Daddy, in the name of Jesus, right now I come before you. Those that have given their lives to you today, God. I ask that you touch them as never before. And we welcome them into the kingdom. And Lord, those that feel like they've been dropped recently, I ask that you strengthen them, that you show them supernaturally how precious they are to you, God. And whatever need that they have, their children to come home into the kingdom. Or they may have learned of a disease that's hit their family. Or COVID could be actually knocking at the door. Someone in their family diagnosed with COVID. I'm asking you, God, miraculously pick them up from being dropped. And let them know how loved they are, God. And that they are royalty. And Lord, those in a battle that need to be strengthened right now. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask God that you strengthen them, that you touch them, that you let them roar as never before, that you give them a boldness, and also you teach them to rest because the battle is not theirs, but it's yours.
Holy Spirit, I ask you to touch everybody in here that's hurting, that's been diseased. I ask you to touch minds, heal, deliver. I speak to addictions to bow to the name of Jesus. Slither out of this sanctuary and leave God's people alone. Restore families. Restore finances. Immediately, Mephibosheth went from poverty to owning lands that he never even labored for. So God, I'm asking for restoration for your people. In the midst of a pandemic, I'm asking that they receive money supernaturally in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, for touching everyone under the sound of my voice. Daddy, I see you do it in prisons all the time. And I thank you for strengthening I thank you for fresh anointing. I thank you for fresh fire. I thank you for healed body. Bodies of youth without aches or pains or backs out of line or joints hurting or, or literally headaches and every disease bowing to Isaiah 53.5 by the stripes of Jesus healed and made all. 1 Peter 2.24, you hung on the cross for us. Therefore, we were made whole. I thank you the point of contact is standing. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, the point of contact was touching the word, the blue thread in the hem of his garment. Your word has been preached. Your word has been declared. Your word is truth in this house. The most powerful prayer ministry I've ever experienced is in this house, God. Your anointing is upon this house. I command bodies to line up with the word of God. I apply the blood of Christ to everyone from the top of their heads to the soles of their very feet. I thank you, Daddy. I saw two weeks ago a young lady that was diagnosed with cancer. She said, I'm healed. And she went to the doctor and her mother contacted me and said, she is healed. They cannot find any cancer in her body. That is what is happening, Daddy. When we realize that you've given it to us, we don't have to work for it. We are your children. And we love you, Lord. We trust you and we honor you. And we thank you for this time to come into your house. I speak refreshment on everyone under the sound of my voice to realize you may have been dropped. But you are not forgotten by the great I am. In the name of Jesus, we seal this prayer. Amen and amen. Stand and give him praise. Stand and give him praise. Come on. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I love that when I say that to women behind bars, they jump on their seats acting all crazy because they felt God. Hallelujah. I give it back to your shepherd.